On this episode of True Sex in Wild Love, we sit down with the inspiring, the goofy, the open, the amazing <laughs> Tori Deal. She was on this season's of MTV, The Challenge, with her fiance, Jordan, and we talk all about reality TV and what it's like. And how did reality TV prepare Jordan and Tori for quarantine? Also, she is a big proponent for self-love, for body positivity, and she's such an inspiring woman that I think you guys are absolutely going to love her. We also talk about what it's like now that she publicly announced that she's open and interested and they have been bringing in other women into the bedroom. So we get all of the juicy details. You guys are absolutely going to love this. If you're feeling a little bit down right now with everything that's going on, this is the episode for you because she'll have you laughing. She'll have you inspired. She'll have you fired up in all the ways. And if you guys really enjoy it, you know me, I would love to hear from you. So post it on your social media stories. I'll repost it. I love hearing from you guys. And also an iTunes review would be so big for us. Sending a lot of love to you guys. Stay safe, stay healthy. Much love. Okay, you guys, we are back with another episode of True Sex and Wild Love. And of course, y'all know me. I'm once again very excited. Shocker. So, yeah, it's, you know, we can't help it. We just deliver again and again and we excite ourselves again and again. And I'm really excited to have Tori Deal here with us today. She is just She's an MTV reality personality. She has a great Instagram that always lifts my mood. And she's all for body positivity and self-love. I'm so glad you're here with us, Tori. Oh, you guys are the best. I love your podcast. I just love how edgy you are. (laughs) I love folding laundry listening to you guys. I make my fiance listen to you guys. He's so for it. Like I love everything you're doing in the wellness and health space for women. So I'm happy to be here. Girl, same. I mean, you're out there putting putting some really amazing positive vibes when it comes to self-love and body image and really just kind of living your best life. So total, total props to you. And can I be really shallow to start us off? Yeah. I I just want to know. Whitney's like, here she goes. Um, Okay. First of all, I want (laughs) to say that I don't think there's anything more intimate than being with somebody while she's folding laundry. So thank you. (laughs) Of course. Oh my God. It's just very cozy and I'm honored. And I also just want to say, I've also been so curious and been wanting to ask you, okay, what's it like to be an MTV reality TV star? I just want to know. You know what? It's, it is strange. And how did this happen to you? Totally. It's so (laughs) strange. And I never, ever thought it was going to be in my cards. I originally went to school for broadcast journalism and I, had gotten an intern reporting for News 12. And I just felt like it was so vanilla. I'm like, this just couldn't be so opposite of my personality. And maybe reality TV wasn't the way I wanted to go. But somehow or another, I stumbled upon it. And I've been on six or actually nine shows now. So in the past like four years, I have filmed over nine shows. And it has just been a roller coaster of learning to expose yourself to the world, to be your honest and true self, to fight for um, money and competition, to fall in love and to have your heart broken and to be part of scandals. And I mean, I've just really (laughs) been through it. And I can tell you, um, I would have never thought that it would have made me a better person, but it definitely did. So I'm thankful for the entire experience. 
Wow. I can kind of relate to you being like an intern at a news uh, station because that's actually something that I wanted to do for a really long time was do the weather and be like a meteorologist. But I just know that I would have been fired so fast. (laughs) I would have been on air for like 2.5 seconds and they're like, this chick has got to go. Totally. Way too outlandish. I'm so with you. I'm so with you on that. Maybe making the weather super spicy. Yeah. But you you never know. You you could have turned into just like a big cult celebrity doing that. Um, So I don't know. Don't don't close off any roads. (laughs) Don't give up on my dream just yet, you guys. I can still be a Fox meteorologist. There's going well, to be torrential downpour all night. Oh, no. From my pissy. Real <laughs> wet. We're all wet tonight, aren't we? There's a 100% chance of dripping. See, you're, oh, you're very good at this. Amazing. Very good at it. Okay. Well, I better go then. You know, yeah, you I better go. Go get started. I'll talk to Tori a little bit. I want to know about the challenge, which is this MTV show you're on with your fiance, Jordan. Mm-hmm. And you have compared doing a reality TV show with your fiance. You said that it kind of prepared you for quarantine because it was so much intense togetherness. What's the challenge? And just talk to us about working with your fiance. Absolutely. So yeah, for anybody who doesn't know, when you go to film a show like The Challenge, you are completely stripped of your phone, your any computer, any books, you lose all source of entertainment whatsoever and connection to the outside world. So you are put into a bubble. And Jordan and I actually met on that show. And we just being quarantined with somebody for two months at a time, you really just get to know the ins and outs of somebody's personality. And you just find ways to click with people that you wouldn't necessarily like you maybe you would brush off the first time you met somebody. So it's it was really interesting getting to know him in a situation like that. But it has totally prepared us for what we are up to and what we're up against now. Because at least here in the real world, when we're in quarantine, you can still kind of get space from one another. When you are filming the challenge, you cannot go outside of your front lawn. Like at least here, you can go for a walk around the neighborhood. You can do something six feet away from other people. But like you, you cannot leave the challenge house. So it has really, truly prepared us for something like this. And yet we still struggle. Like we got into a huge fight the other day and we had to take 24 hours of absolutely no talking to one another because there's really no true preparation you can do for something like this. So I think, you know, just learning to be easy on ourselves and be easy on one another is just the most important thing in this entire situation. Yeah. Mm. And I also, I love the fact that, you know, post after you get into a fight, you guys are like, okay, we need to take 24 hours to ourselves because I feel like a lot of people get nervous about doing that. Taking a little bit of space in a relationship is so scary. What does that mean? What's going to happen? But it can be Mm -hmm. so beneficial. So how did you guys do that? And how did it go? Oh my gosh. I was like terrified. Just like you said, like, you're like, it's, it becomes frantic. It's fragile. Now you're like, Oh my gosh, we're, we're putting ourselves space in between us because we need that. That's a scary thing. But Mm -hmm. he just really needed the emotional, like he needed an emotional chill pill because I feel like I have the tendency of wanting to find, if we're arguing about something, I want to find the solution to it now. I need it right now. 
And he oh. is so opposite of that. He's like, you know what? Let's just take some space. It's totally fine. And so for me, it was really just testing my my ability to just be comfortable and calm with no talking at all. Because we cannot talk through every problem for a solution because there actually has to be space sometimes. And so that is something that I'm coming into terms with now because of all of this stuff. But yeah, it's been it's been up and down for sure. You know, I think that's so relevant to our listeners because one thing that I'm hearing repeatedly from people who are coupled or in a polycule or just people who are not by themselves, even people who are with their kids, is that when you're all under one roof for a long time and there's a conflict, sometimes you want to just rush to a resolution. But sometimes there are big underlying issues, like I've been married for 20 years now. And when you're married to somebody for 20 years, there are things that have taken years to work on and you can't resolve them you know, quickly. And so it almost sounds like what you're doing on this show and what's happening in quarantine um, are very analogous. You know, we can't, we can't always resolve everything. I, I used to have a real problem with that before I got into Buddhism. If my husband and I had a disagreement, I like couldn't sleep without putting it away or fixing it. And I think that can be really damaging. So Thanks yeah. for your example to just wait. So how did you do with the waiting, Tori? So at first I cried. <laughs> no. I, put on, I put on a playlist. You know, I listened to some good classic cry songs and I cried it out, yeah. which was which was really important. I really needed to relieve myself of that stress. And then after it was done, I didn't want to feel sad. I was like, how am I going to take this energy that I'm putting towards my relationship and refocus it and use it on myself because it's energy. Nonetheless, I'm feeling something. So I just mm -hmm. want to take it from being angry and from being upset to just taking space from thinking about the relationship. And now let me work on something else. And in that period mm -hmm. of time, I was writing another episode for my podcast, which is something that I fully script out every time because I they're very short episodes. So it, uh. it just gave me time and space to just work on myself. And then by the time I was done, because of the type of work I was doing, I was working on like positivity and self-love and all of these beautiful things. It like made me happier. So I like made myself feel better. And that was like a huge revelation in my mind because I didn't have to depend on him to do that. I just had to give myself the time. That's so interesting. You know what? I just want to say something about crying Whitney and Tori. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Jessica Bennett, who wrote Feminist Fight Club, and she's the gender editor for the New York Times. And she wrote this really interesting piece about crying and how political leaders have been tearing up sometimes on the news recently as they talk about coronavirus and, you know, how devastating the topic is. And so people, men and women alike, have been tearing up in public. Um. Mark Meadows, Andy Cuomo. And she, so she had written this article about it. And then on her Instagram, she posted that while she was researching the article, one of the things that she learned is that women have shallower tear ducts. So we literally, do you know what I mean? We literally wow. tear up sooner than men do. And then I remember years ago when I worked at a women's magazine, I'm not sure if this is 
um, if this research has been borne out again, but there was a big study about how women shed cortisol when we cry and men don't. So for women, shedding tears is literally a stress reliever in ways that it isn't for men. So I have never felt bad about crying. And since I got that information, and thank you so much, Tori, for mentioning it here. But since I got that information, I have found that crying feels literally so emotionally cleansing for me. It's just, right? Yeah, for sure. I totally agree with that. It's like a, it's like you said, it's very cleansing. It's like a purge. Mm-hmm. You just get it out, you know? Yeah. Totally. I, I'm so glad to have people destigmatizing that, whether it's like male political leaders crying at the podium or you, Tori, just saying you needed to have a good cry. We know that it can be really cathartic. I'm mm-hmm. going to get back to that. <laughs> I have to get back to crying. It feels really good. I wonder if. <laughs> So take me through, since you've been on nine different shows, have they all been on MTV? Yeah. Okay. So you've been on nine different shows on MTV. So I'm sure there's there's crying throughout a lot of those seasons. <laughs> Did you have to overcome kind of the being scared of crying on camera, what people are going to think? Because I know for, for me, even when I'm talking to people and I feel myself tearing up, I'm like, oh God, hold it back. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, like we start <laughs> apologizing. It's like this whole thing. And so I'm just wondering how was it crying on camera or if there was like any sort of resistance or, you know, a wall that was put up there for you? Totally. And, you know, I've never been asked this question, but I I, I have a feeling that this answer is going to feel interesting to people. Because when I first got on the show, on my rookie show, which was Are You The One, I was encouraged by producers to cry because it helps to sell the show. So Mm -hmm. as a producer, you might come up to a cast member and say, hey, listen, if you're feeling upset right now, you should be emotional. This is your time to express yourself. And there is power in that. And it's encouraged, right? And that was on a show where it was about battling for love and trying to find your perfect match, which inevitably we all found our perfect match, but nobody ended up with them because it's an MTV reality show. Let's be real. (laughs) So... But but now I'm on the challenge, which is a much different style of show. This is a hardcore competition show where people will steal millions of dollars from one another, will say things that people have done outside of the show and bring it into the show as like a way to trash talk them. Like it's a very hostile environment. And so crying somewhere here, you know, sometimes it can be for your benefit and it can show, it it can help people see your side. And in the other sense, it could be a sign of weakness. And so when you're Mm -hmm. playing in a a game for comp, it's very competitive and you're playing for a lot of money. I think there are a lot of things that come into count. And Jordan on the last season that we were on, I mean, I remember there was a time, it was actually World of Worlds too. So technically it was two seasons ago, but I felt so, I don't want to say bullied by the other girls because it's just how it is on that show. People just mm-hmm. talk shit. But mm-hmm. it had me feeling so down. I, at one point in time, I felt like I was like there was everybody was just against me. And I was crying in my bed. And Jordan was like, you better not cry. Like, you better not. You better not. But I, in my mind, I'm like, I I want to. You know, I like I feel this sad right now. But then watching it back, I'm happy that I didn't. So 
I think that there are moments, if you need to have a moment for yourself on a reality show, you kind of have to know, am I going to go into the bathroom on this one? Am I going to cry this out on the toilet where there's no cameras? Or Mm -hmm. am I going to use this as a time to really show people that I've been hurt and affected and can that help me? So in in some way, you have to question, is being vulnerable going to be for your power or against it? You have to be strategic about it. Yes. Wow. That's deep. Yeah. It's crazy. It's definitely crazy. It's it's a power trip, I think. You know, you really have to understand how to use your emotions to your advantage. Just thinking about our listeners and how we all live on social media now, Tori. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember when I first met Whitney, I was like, oh my God, literally almost everything is going on Instagram, but it feels so natural. Like it's just really a natural thing for Whitney to be doing. And she's really comfortable with it. And I learned a lot from that. But what, what do you think are the lessons from you as a reality TV star um, about women, especially, but men too, all of us kind of living our lives more in public than ever before. And we can be scrutinized on social media more than ever before. What are your feelings and advice about that? I mean, I really encourage it. You know, I do think that if you want to express yourself, do it. That's exactly what that platform is there for. But just know that if you put out a certain amount of information, it could sway people away from you or it could sway people towards you. And in the game of social media, I think you have to ask yourself, what are you on there for? Are you on there for trying to attract a business and to grow a following for something bigger than yourself, maybe a brand? Or are you there to use it as a place to do social media diary and make it make it your journal, you know? And I think that when you understand why you want to use social media and how you want to use it, then it doesn't matter what way you go as long as you're aware of how you are using the tool. Because ultimately, it is a tool. Some people are going to use it for business mm. and other people are going to use it for personal gain. And then that's just how it is. Right. It's not going so anywhere. Yeah, it's almost it's almost like your your business card kind of, you know. I mean, because everyone everyone's going to look at someone's Instagram to get a better idea of who they are regardless if you're interested in dating them or you want to have them on a podcast or you know, you want to hire them for a job, you're always going to go to that part of them. Exactly. Oh my god. Wait, holy heck. I just thought about my Instagram as <laughs> my business card and I think I need some help. Oh no. <laughs> Wow. If my Instagram is my business card, I'm putting out some very weird stuff about my work. But I'm I'm here for it. I'm here for this advice from you guys because you're younger than I am. And like this, like we just said, Instagram is an ecological niche that's not going away, right? It's like Mm -hmm. none of this stuff is going away. And um, you guys are much more fluent with it and comfortable with it than my peer group. And I think we have a lot to learn from you. I love this idea that some people are using it as a visual and textual diary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's why there's been a rise of Finstagrams. I don't know if you know, if you're familiar with that term, but Finstagram literally means fake Instagram. So it's somebody, if they want to use Instagram as a place to literally vent out how they feel but not putting their face or their name on their Instagram, then then you can just make a fake account for yourself and do that. 
And so I think that's why all of my friends have Instagrams. It's like they want to have one area where they can just like leave their shit on social media. And then they want the other area where they can either attract, you know, a guy or they can attract like a following so that they can get Instagram sponsors or whatever they want to use it for. But they have two. Oh my God, Finstagram. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I haven't heard of that before, but it make it does make sense. I mean, even for me, because mm-hmm. I am very, I use it as like a place that I hope inspires people. And I, you know, I talk about my own journey because I think that that helps somebody else. We can always find how to relate to people in that way. But I even find myself sometimes posting something and getting like a little twinge of anxiety or fear or, you know, what are people going to think or what is this certain person going to think about what I just said here, you know, but, and, and so I think even just in my position, you know, it's still a muscle that you have to like flex and get used to and, and know that there's going to be criticism. And Mm -hmm. as long as you're, you get down to being like, okay, this is truly how I feel. And I feel really stable within that. And then I think that helps. I think there's that quote, you know, um, Oh God, I'm probably going to butcher it with any, with a oh god, I'm not. I can't even remember. I'm not even try. Oh, oh, just give us the basic idea. Well, it's basically like if you know your why, you can bear any how. That's great. That was the oh, yeah. mm-hmm. There you go. Right. Um, so I think totally. even just like using that for Instagrams, like if that's something that you're putting out there, like my why is to inspire, and so if people want to hound me for it or whatever, I know my why well enough that I'm going to keep doing and sticking on my path. Exactly. That's really good advice. Well, thanks. <laughs> no, my my twelve year old um, wants to be on Instagram. I'm very ambivalent about that because people can be really mean. Yeah, that's and tough. I don't want him to have to deal with that. I mean, I have honed my muscle dealing with people who are supportive, people who are wonderful, people who are really negative, people who are just straight up haters. You know, I've had experience dealing with that, but um, sometimes it feels like letting him on Instagram is just making him so vulnerable. So I wonder about that. And I like the, I like what you said, Whitney. I think it's never too early to give somebody dipping their toe into social media that message. You know, mm-hmm. but it's and I mean, so, yeah. that also goes for, you know, being on reality TV, Tori. I mean, that really opens you up to a whole lot. Um, so I know that I do want to talk more about the challenge because I know so pe- so many people are really interested in hearing about that. And so the, I'm assuming that maybe there'll be some spoilers if people haven't watched it yet, mm-hmm. but can you kind of take us through how this experience was for you on, was this your ninth show or your 10th show? Uh, I think this was my, uh, technically my ninth. It was like my fifth challenge, but yeah, but this, yeah, this was number, I don't even actually know. I've lost count. So, (laughs) (laughs) Tell Um, me what the challenge of the title is. What is the challenge? So this challenge was called Total Madness. And ironically, (laughs) we were filming in a World War II bunker. So we literally didn't have windows. We only could go outside when we needed to walk to the porty potties because unfortunately, all of the plumbing broke down in this World War II bunker. And it was 
atrocious. Like it was the most miserable place I have ever stayed in my entire life. It got to the point where producers were like asking girls to put on makeup and do their hair because that's how ungodly uncomfortable we were. Like when do you ever have to tell girls on a TV show to like try to look attractive? Never. Yeah, right. <laughs> but this season, you totally had to because we were all like, well, you put us here. So we're going to look, if you want to put us in the sewer, we're going to look like rats. You know, this is, that's what <laughs> that's you're going to do. Yeah. So we were, you know, we, we fought back in the ways we could, you know, we were fighting back against the man, but, <laughs> um, but it was, it was a really tough season. And uh, I mean, this season I got eliminated relatively early in comparison to other seasons. And then my fiance gets eliminated right after me. So it was mm-hmm. a brutal season for the both of us on different accounts. Like I went in and voted myself into an elimination and then got tossed from that elimination, which was completely unexpected because the girl that I was going against was basically saying, Hey, I'm ready to leave because I'm fighting with my boyfriend at home and I, and I want to go. So there were so many like subtle hints that she dropped to me that she was really going to like, let me win. And then when the time came, I just didn't, I didn't fight my hardest. And that's why she won. She beat me by a literal second. So I was blindsided playing the game. And then unfortunately, Jordan, he has one hand. So he had to go into a pole wrestle against a guy who was like 270 pounds and he gets eliminated right after. So we kind of make this joke together that it's like, you know, and somebody's true love dies, their love dies like two months after from like a heart attack or something. Like that's totally (laughs) what happened to me and Jordan in this season of the challenge. It was like, I left and Jordan was like, I can't do it anymore. Like throw me in. And so, yeah, it was a rough season to say the least. I always wonder this when I'm watching like the bachelor or the bachelorette or whatever. Yeah. How does it feel to get eliminated? Oh my gosh. It was. Please talk to us about that because to me, it feels like being fired or something. Like what is that emotional experience? Oh my God. There's just nothing that can explain that. I had to do one of my, I had to do a full podcast episode called Tori dealing with failure on this because I struggled with this loss for months after it happened because it would keep me up at night. It would make me feel like oh my gosh, I'm going to look like a loser. Oh my gosh, I put myself out there and I failed. Oh, like I thought I was going to fly, but I fell. And all of these, sorry, I don't know if you can hear that dirt bike in the background. That was so loud. (laughs) It's okay. All of these things added to me just feeling like a complete loser. And it took me Mm. months and like talking to people and talking to my family members of realizing that just because I lost doesn't mean I'm a loser. And just because I failed doesn't mean I'm a failure. And Mm -hmm. It took me a lot of time to like hone in on that, but now I see it completely differently. And I've taken that energy from that loss and I've turned it into running harder and getting my mile time lower and running longer distances. And now I'm just so focused on being better Mm -hmm. that I don't even care. It's like in the past now, it's over. I've lived it. It's done. So it's definitely been a roller coaster, but it was painful. And just to take a moment from the podcast, I wanted to talk to you guys about our new sponsor, Let's Get Checked. Now they're doing testosterone tests where I find this really easy because it's uncomplicated. They can send it directly to your door. It's in discreet packaging, so nobody knows. You can collect your sample, you get to review your results. And then from there, a nurse will contact you for a consultation over the phone and you get a prescription if you need. 
So what's really great about this is that you're able to check where your hormones are at. And I know for a lot of us out there, including women, it's really great to know where your testosterone levels are and for men as well. The first test that you get is your free testosterone. And that's the first biomarker that they test for. And why you want to know this is because your body uses it to produce sperm, maintain a healthy sex drive, maintain muscle strength and mass and produce red blood cells which is absolutely important. So you guys, check them out. Get your testosterone checked. Super easy. Don't have to go to the doctor. Plus, we're quarantined right now. So you need to stay home. This is a really easy way to do it. Head over to www.trylgc.com slash wildlove. I'll say that again for you. It's www.trylgc.com slash wildlove. And you get to save 20% off. Yeah, I can totally imagine because I'm also similar in that, that like if I were to lose, I would just be so hard on myself. Like, I, oh God, I would just beat oh, myself yeah. up so much. Even when it came to competing in sports, I was always that way. I threw away yeah. anything that wasn't a first or second place trophy or ribbon. <laughs> I was like, I this remember, is bullshit. I remember what when were, I learned that about you. When I learned that if it wasn't first place, you threw it away. I was like, wow, this chick is intense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like, okay, um, calm down. Take a deep breath. You're going to be fine. <laughs> but what were some of the ways that you overcame some of the feelings of defeat or failure in that? It was definitely communicating with people that I loved and getting support. I think that was a big one because at one point my father told me, you know, he was like, Tori, people don't watch the NFL because they want to see their favorite team win all the time. They watch it for the battle. They watch it for the fight. They watch it for the morale of the team when the fans are cheering for that person. And then somebody's going to come out on top. And guess what? It's not always going to be you. But that doesn't mean you're not successful because you're out there and you're the one in the arena and you're the one putting up all of these people watching you. Like you, you are the reason that people want to watch the show. So you cannot feel like a failure, even though you lost, they were rooting for you. And it took, and, yeah. No, go ahead. Yeah. I just wanted to say, you know, the idea that when you lose, you fail um, and how your friends and your family helped you reframe that. I was just thinking of both of you in this book by uh, my friend Reshma Sanjani called Brave, Not Perfect. And then my friend Rachel Simmons wrote a very similar book, very different, but a similar idea called Enough As She Is. And Rachel um, was like a star student, right? And she got it. She won a Rhodes Scholarship. And then she just couldn't cut it. And she came back and her college said, you've humiliated us. And she felt like a total failure. You know, she had gone from like a top student to like, I can't handle this. And she was told that she had humiliated herself. She had humiliated her school. Um, And then Reshma had a similar experience. She ran for political office and she lost. And she said that experience of complete humiliation she thought it was going to end her. So they both thought that these, quote, failures, unquote, were going to end them. And then they spun them into gold. And what Rachel tells everybody when she goes to teach at schools, um, she is a, helps coach girls and women into leadership. And Reshma has a similar thing that she does. She wrote Girls Who Code, and she encourages girls to do math and science and code. And they mm-hmm. have really reframed these moments of failure and said, People who never fail aren't successful. They're constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop. But people who fail, 
have failure under their belts and yes. they just, and then they keep going. So failing is part of growing up. It's part of winning. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love the idea of reframing failure. If you've never failed, you're just scared all the time, right? Whereas if totally. you failed and then felt that humiliation, you know you're not going to die from it. Am I right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That gave me total chills when you said that because that is just so true. And for the longest time when I was playing the game, my biggest fear was being eliminated before Jordan because it's just like you're in there with your best friend. You don't want to be the one that has to go home first. And I was so afraid of that idea. And then I experienced it and you realize it's just the fall is just not that hard at all. You know, it's like painful for sure, but you're going to survive just like you said. And I think that that is the most important thing to know about failure is that you have to experience it because you're, you have to realize you're going to survive. You're going to miss it. And it's part, I feel, I feel like failure is a developmental stage. Do you know what I mean? It's like there are developmental milestones of childhood and there are development developmental milestones of adolescence. And then like, I just feel like one of the big developmental imperatives of being a grown ass woman is fucking up, coming in last, um, botching a relationship, losing a friendship, doing something that makes you feel like a failure and just owning it. I feel like you can't be a grown up without that. I feel the same way about having enemies. I feel like having an enemy is just part of being a grown up and like sort of womaning up and being like, there's somebody out there who doesn't like me. There's somebody out there who doesn't wish me well. There's somebody out there who might even be out to get me. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to, I'm going to stand up anyway and, and have my life anyway, without everybody loving me, without winning all the time. I don't know. I, I, I love that you, that you can talk about what being eliminated meant and how you struggled with it. Cause I think it's part of being a grown up. Mm-hmm. Me too. I think it's awesome. <laughs> what did Jordan say when you got eliminated? When I got eliminated? Yeah. Was oh, he compassionate he... and. No, I was the compassionate one. He was like, I thought you you had this in the bag. And I was like, Jordan, <laughs> I was like, you need to stop talking to me like this right now because this is the last conversation we're going to have for maybe a month. So let me just tell you, I tried my best. I gave it my all and I am proud of myself. And I just kept saying that to him until he drilled it in his head. We only had like a two minute goodbye because that's how quick it goes. And wow. Oh my gosh, Totally. All the fans who have seen that episode have been like, wow, Tori, like, I don't know how you had to pick him up after your loss, but you did. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> I just went, you're like, just great feminine energy mode. <laughs> you were modeling it for him. You were showing him how to be a better, better person about failure. You did him totally. a favor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, just, just give me a hug, okay? <laughs> 100%. Like, Jesus, um, Jordan. It's like when two super competitive people are in a relationship. That was what I just got a window into. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. (laughs) We are both so competitive. It's insane. Like, I train with him in the mornings. Like, we'll go for runs. And I don't know why in my mind I think I can keep up. Like, I'm literally setting myself up for failure. He is an incredible runner. But in my mind, every fucking day, I'm like, I'm going to get there one day. One day, 
I'm going to be right behind Jordan. Never. That day just doesn't come. It just, he, oh, he always, he gets faster as I get faster. You know, that's just how it works. But we are so super competitive. It's crazy. I mean, it's probably why we need some space from each other sometimes because we're always competing. Well, I think that's why it's also really fun to watch you two compete, like even on the show. You know, it's just yeah. fun. You guys are fun to watch. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I love I love being a female that brings that aspect to the show because on a lot of these shows, girls get casted who are, I would say, competitive, but maybe haven't played competitive sports. And I played college soccer. So I am really comfortable and confident in being a beast on the field. Like it's my element, especially because in the in real the real world, I love to be nurturing and caring and understanding, but not on the motherfucking field, baby. Like I like to get moody, moody. I like to get crazy. Like I just I used to get yellow carded for sexual harassment. Like I'm this is gonna sound crazy but of course I would, I would look at a girl and I'd be like I'm gonna fuck you later and like a ref would hear me and be like you can't say that to another player and I'd be like yeah I can I'm on the field like, these are mind games baby you know so like <laughs> that I, is actually really I love that wait tell us more about being a beast on the field because I feel like we could okay except for the sexual harassment part but totally. you know that's, that's, part, that's part of trash talking there's a tradition for that in sports there's yeah. a place for that but what what does it mean to be a beast on the field? Because I feel like I need to be a little bit more of a beast sometimes. Totally. I think, you know what? It's like, if you ever feel like you are just harnessing energy, like, and harnessing any, like, outlash you want to have towards anybody in your life, you have to create a space to release that. And I am definitely somebody who needs to release it through a lot of energy. Yoga is great for me. Like meditation is awesome. I need to punch something or I need to like run hard or I need to just get it out. And so I've really gotten in the system of kind of saving up all of my negative feelings for my workouts. And then I literally and physically and mentally work them out at the same time because it's just such an ultimate release. And then you walk away feeling so much better. So it's like any little thing that bothers me throughout the day, I'm like, okay, I'm going to remember that. That's going to go in my workout bank. Like that's going to go in my workout bank. I'm going to think about that later. Like, don't worry, me and me and you will resolve your problems later. I got you. So I think that that's just been the, one of the things that I've always done since I was a kid and I've just carried it with me. And that's where I get a lot of my motivation from to push harder when I work out. That's right. like straight up beast mode and note to self, don't ever work out with Tori. No, I'd actually love to. I think that would be so much fun because I'm very, yeah, like I, I do the same thing. I'm all about just getting like physical, like just getting out of my, of my body. I have to move. I have to just, I just have to go. I remember it's actually interesting when I was training for my fight, it, I was, I think I was going through a breakup at the time and I realized, cause you get punched in the face and you get choked out and it's, it doesn't feel <sighs> good, but I realized that I was actually right. better at training, um, for my fight when I was hurt, like not physically hurt, but yeah. like mentally, emotionally hurt because like the physical pain didn't hurt. I felt like as bad as the emotional pain. So I could just like push through a little bit harder. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm so with you on that. I don't know why that's a thing or if it's even healthy, but I, it's, it seems like the easiest way to really get out a lot of like, like internal issues is to just like fight them out sometimes just get and out there, obviously in a healthy way, like don't go punch your wall. Like yeah, definitely no. there's time and place for all of that stuff. But I do believe that there, it's an important to have a release like that. And I think that working out is 
so beneficial for so, so many reasons. Good. And I wish more women could like go be a beast on a soccer field. I don't think we have enough outlets for that, right? And I think that's mm-hmm. why there's so much like backstabbing and gossip and yeah. you know, our intersexual competition is all this like low level relational aggression. But if we yeah. could be on, if, if we could be out like on the basketball court just like trash talking, <laughs> right? Like like I was watching the last dance, right, which is all about Michael Jordan and um uh, Phil Jackson the his coach and the, how the Chicago Bulls, you know, went to win all those championships. And I loved the parts about when Michael Jordan would be down and the team was losing and how he needed to be losing to win. Mm. And, and then I loved watching his strategies of intimidation, just how, you know, he freaked out other players with trash talking, with physicality, with just going straight down the line, right through the people who are trying to guard him. And I kept thinking, what would the world be like if women could be really aggressive instead of passive aggressive? How, you know, how, how might things improve a little bit? Totally. Yeah. My two friends got into like a, a fight a while ago and (laughs) I was like, you know what? I have a perfect, not like an actual fight, but you know, they're talking shit back and forth, yeah. like text messages, whatever. And I was like, you know what, guys? I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there. <laughs> Maybe you guys should just fight it out. I'll get some boxing gloves. Fight it out. <laughs> really tired. We'll start crying at the end. Like, seriously, it just, helps sometimes. <laughs> Take it or oh leave it. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that my podcast co-host is, is from Texas. It just totally. brings it just brings so many different opportunities <laughs> to my eyes. I love it, Whitney. That's I love it. What, what did they say? Uh, they didn't really think it was a good idea. I think I, was <laughs> only, I think I was the only person who thought it was a decent idea, but you know, it's still out there. So, like, <laughs> it could happen sometime. That's so funny. It's so funny it's that you say that too. Way. Jordan's from Oklahoma and he definitely has the same mentality. And like he's gotten into two fist fights with his friends before. And like they just like kind of like dust off their shoulders when they're done and shake hands. I'm like, what the fuck is what wrong? Just happened? <laughs> yeah, like it's it was beyond me to watch them like get into a physical altercation. And then they just like literally were like, all right, man to man, it's all good. But I'm like, females, I mean, granted, I don't ever actually want to put my hands on a female. I don't actually ever want to fight. I don't want to punch anybody in the face. But like, maybe we should get a little wrestling match down. You know, nothing like too crazy. Like, yeah, let's get a little, or maybe we can wrestle alligators next to each other and see who beats the alligator first. You know, like just a little chest bump, just like on the basketball court. Just (laughs) (laughs) It is really, I mean, it is. And I think it's just, it's straight therapy. Like I've never actually been in a, like a street fight of any kind. I've never fought anybody unless it was outside of training or the ring or anything like that. But I know that, you know, when I was sparring people, you have the utmost respect for them because they can beat your ass. And like, you can't be like talking shit and being really passive aggressive and whatever, because they're going to punch you in the face in a second. Like they are going to hit you and it's going to hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I've been really sheltered. (laughs) (laughs) I did gymnastics and ballet and that was definitely, there were mind fuck aspects to those. I mean, I consider ballet to be really athletic and grueling and same with gymnastics, but I never was in any of those sports where um, you could just straight up 
physically encounter someone, intimidate someone. It was more about, it was more subtle and like passive aggressive. I just think there's a real place for like mixed martial arts for women, like, you know, moms at schools and, and Mm -hmm. girls and just to like school us a little bit in, in being out there aggressive and physical. I I love love it. Yeah. I think that there is space for that too. I see so many, like before this quarantine started, there was plenty of women who were older than 50, like 50 plus in my kickboxing class. And like, it was totally normal and totally fine. Like, and you, maybe you would have to pair up with somebody. And if you paired up with somebody a little bit smaller than you, you just didn't punch them hard. Like it was a respect thing. And then you just kind of, you know, grapple it out at the end, but it was coached and there were plenty of women from all different age ranges. And I totally encourage that. I think as soon as this quarantine is over and gyms open up again, women should definitely get into kickboxing or to boxing. It's amazing. I absolutely agree. Um, this I want to commit to so- that right here. Yeah. I'm going to commit yeah. right here that I'm going to do boxing after. Um, I don't want to do yeah. kickboxing. It sounds like too much work. <laughs> it sounds too much like exercise. I want to oh do boxing. My- it just when sounds- I come up to New York, we'll go together. Really? Can we take boxing lessons? You're way better at boxing than I am, I'm sure already. But let's let's do boxing. It'll just York be like a, a fun come. thing to do. Yeah, um, something to look forward to. Can we talk about sex? Yes, <laughs> that's what that's what I was. I have two things. I want oh, to what? talk about having sex and um, also going back to like being on reality shows, did you ever get into, did you ever want to get into a physical altercation with somebody on the show? Cause it's already a very heightened, you know, pressurized situation. So did you ever just find yourself maybe losing your cool a little bit? Never, never. I've played so much college soccer that I know there's a time and place for that aggression. And if there ever is on a show like that, I literally just tell that person, I want to see them in an elimination and then we'll fight it out there. So I don't ever lose my cool in a conversation with somebody because there, there's just too much to, to lose. You could lose your position on the show. You could get kicked off for multiple seasons. So you, I just know myself, if I want to get aggressive with somebody and I'm not feeling it with some girl, then I'm probably just going to tell her I want to see her on the elimination floor and we're going to hash it out there. Ooh. Yeah. Like watch that. out for Tori on the elimination floor. She's <laughs> fucking you up because she's a former D1 athlete. <laughs> <laughs> Respect, Tori. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I I want to talk about sex because I don't want to out you or anything, but you have already, Tori, publicly you've spoken about unconventional relationships that um, you and your boyfriend have had threesomes, that you're open to um, relationship containers other than monogamy. I would love to hear you talk about that a little bit, your thoughts about it your experiences with it, where you are. Totally. It's been a really interesting journey. I think it started for me. I I was attracted to women at a young age, but I just never really knew how to go about it. And I, even though I was in sports and stuff, I never felt comfortable or confident enough to do anything in that area. And I think as you get older, those little seeds of thoughts then turn into like experiences and things that happen. But I had still yet to have a threesome. Like I had had moments with women and then I had had moments with men, but I hadn't had the two together. And I never really found somebody that I felt comfortable enough to do that with. And Jordan and I got close. We were like dating six months before we ever got into an official relationship. 
And that was the first time I was ever in something like that. Typically, I'm the type of person like, oh my gosh, I like you. Within a month, we are dating. And with Jordan and I, we really took it slowly. And so we had been dating for six months and somewhere along that time period, you know, we had a little fun. And I looked at my relationship with him as a place to experiment and experience life, as opposed to, I want to do the same thing that I've been doing this entire time, because it just obviously wasn't working for me. And so we had a couple moments together. And, you know, I think there's so much fear with women like, oh, what if I bring somebody else into this situation? Is she going to take my place? Or is, is she more beautiful? Or is this or that? So hold on real quick. Can you shut the door? <laughs> I don't care if you have to pee. Go away. There's another bathroom. Jordan, no. God, he's so disrespectful. I'm so sorry. He just can't stay away from the threesome discussion. I can't blame. Clearly, oh my god. Okay, let me let me start a little bit over. Um, so I had a really hard time finding somebody that I would be comfortable with letting in another woman into our relationship. And Jordan just kind of held my hand through the whole process. He never made me feel uncomfortable. After every situation we had with another girl, I just felt closer to him. It was like we got to experience this really cool thing together. And it was so respectful across the board. Nobody had any bad feelings towards one another. He never made me feel jealous. He just was so aware of how I felt and made sure to kind of, you know, I wouldn't say put me first, but definitely consider my emotions at all times. And it just made it really easy for us to become experimental experimental and now we just kind of take it as it comes sometimes things goes down sometimes they don't you know we just there is no planning of it there is the only thing that matters i guess is who we're doing it with because we want to be safe but yeah it's really open and it's really free and it's just made our relationship so much better and yeah, I think that's really awesome. And, and especially the really good tips for people who are interested in maybe have bringing other people into the bedroom or mm-hmm. maybe they're bicurious. Like they're, everything that you said, I think is really helpful for a lot of people. Um, Cause when we did our Instagram live, that was something that we talked about on there. And so I'm curious to know if people reached out to you, you know, what was the response from that? Totally. Were they really supportive? Were they like, Oh, thank you so much for talking about this. Were some of them triggered? What did, what did you see? You know what? I got so many positive comments that I didn't even care about the negative ones, but I definitely got negative comments for that. Some people were so blown away that me and Jordan didn't have this like cookie cutter relationship that like everybody expects people to have. And I just was so blown away by that because like, Mm -hmm. like in the world we live in today, I don't know. I'm not I'm not, I need something more edgy. And like, that's why I follow you guys because I love the conversation you put out into the world. And that's something that as a woman, I've been looking for, for females to kind of have the same stance on these topics and that things can be a lot more relaxed and we deserve to do whatever the fuck we want to do. And I don't have to be a, this cute little perfect wife that doesn't ever fuck around with anybody else. Like that's not my idea of a fun life. It doesn't <laughs> sound that great to me, you know? So I just think that it's really important to just kind of just do you. And, you know, people are going to hate regardless, but there's been so many people who are also interested in trying something like this and they definitely wanted more tips on it. And I don't know. I mean, 
I could give tips, but I feel like I'm still kind of learning too. I think it's just like a very, everyone's got their own experience in this kind of place. I think that's such a powerful message too, just that you're learning and that you're taking it experience by experience. And I mean, just like being a monogamous couple is never perfect. Being experimental is never perfect either. There are weird moments and stressful moments, and then there are just these, like these joyful, hot moments. I love that you're putting out there that you're making it up as you go along. Thank you. Yeah, thanks to you guys, because I feel like I wouldn't have had this conversation with anybody else. I mean, Whitney, the live that we did together was the first time I ever spoke about it, and I had been like waiting to talk about it. You know, it's just so interesting mm-hmm. how like you can feel comfortable and confident enough to have this conversation with only certain people because, you know, you guys don't make me feel judged for it. And I really appreciate that. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, that means a lot. I'm, and I'm completely honored that you felt comfortable enough with me. You know, we haven't even fully met each other in person yet, which I can't wait till we do because I know we're just gonna have so much fun. But I do like really appreciate you saying that. So thank you. Imagine what's gonna happen when you two box. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be amazing. It's going to be electrical. We're going to be rainbows. Before we let you go, Tori, I wondered if you could talk to us about another aspect of relationships where you're a real trailblazer, because you talk a lot about self-love, which is, you know, we talk about self-care, we talk about self-love, but you're really living it and helping women understand how to get it, why they need it. Can you tell us a little bit about your project? Totally. So I think I've been, I've always had an interest in trying to love myself on a deeper level. And I think that's just because I've really struggled with depression and anxiety. And these are sides of me that I don't actually put out into the world very often, unless I'm talking about it after I've already thought about it. But I won't put my anxieties and my depressions out there unless I've already figured out how to emotionally handle it. And I think that has made me somebody who has just wanted to soul search on such a deep level because I want to know where do my sadnesses come from? Where do my fears come from? What is this thing that I am composed of that makes me the person that I am? And I think that I've become so addicted to finding out these like quirks in my personality and getting to know myself on a deeper level that I've been able to heal certain parts of me that I think I would have never known ever needed to be healed. Like, for example, I used to have a really big problem with jealousy. I used to look at women and I used to be so jealous and I did not understand why until I realized it was because I was attracted to them and I was hiding that in my body. I was suppressing that attraction. And that was something that took years for me to understand about myself. And it also took therapy and it also took, you know, really just meditating and talking to people who had great advice and listening to other people's stories. But I am now just so addicted to finding and meeting myself on a deeper level and healing. And I just want to show all of the girls that follow me and men that follow me that it's possible. It just takes time and you deserve to be patient with yourself because the things that you're going to uncover about yourself as time goes on through every experience you live are just going to be amazing. I mean, that's just what life is about. And so I'm just on my journey and I'm not perfect. I'm still learning how to love myself every day, but I just hope to inspire people to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And you certainly are. No question. No question. So women who want to follow um, you on social media, can you tell them where to find you, especially um, 
tell them about finding your podcast and also, you know, your your project on self-love and self-care because you started a self-love club. How would women find that yeah. and men? Sure. So my, oh, I just punched myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> Stay with the story. Don't hurt yourself. I don't, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> okay. So you can find me at Tori underscore deal, or you can go to my website, ToriDeal.com. And my, my podcast name is Tori Dealing With. And each episode, I'm just talking about what I'm dealing with. So the first episode was anxiety, then it was failure, and so on and so forth. So yeah, I would absolutely be honored if anybody came to, you know, came over to my platform and said, what's up? I love to talk to people as much as I possibly can. And I also have a brand called Sweetheart Club, which is S-U-I Heart Club. And that's a platform that posts all positive self-love on Instagram. And I just believe that you need to nourish your scroll just like you nourish your soul. So I put a lot of positivity out there online and I make sure that everything on my feed is positive and isn't informational and educational. And I just believe that that's the way you need to kind of set yourself up for success in a world of social media. Boom. And she's also really funny, you guys. Like she's goofy. She puts it out there. She's not trying to put on this perfect, you know, mask of who everyone thinks you should be. It's, it's real and it's raw. And that's why I, I think that's why we've been, you know, you know, called together and attracted to each other's vibe. So totally. thank you for totally. doing what you do, girl. Yeah. Oh, you keep on, Tori. It was great to have you on the show. And I just want to say whenever I'm having a bad day, I look at your Instagram and it improves things a lot. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. I love you guys so much. I can't wait to do my laundry to be with you again. Oh, it's going to be good. <laughs> Thank you. Much love. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you did, it would help us a lot if you would leave a review. Yeah, leave a review, subscribe. We want to know how you guys felt about the episode. It really helps us out a lot to continue the success of the podcast and keep spreading our message.